Being a professional isn't about the money you make, the position you hold, your level of expertise or fame. It's the motivation and the attitude you bring to your work. A desire for always learning and improving and balancing your creative output with getting the business done. Welcome and join the Creating Pros. Hi, and welcome back to Creating Pros. I'm your host, Jim Nettles. So in this episode, we're going to dive into a rather controversial and sometimes kind of convoluted topic. We're going to be taking a look at fan fiction. Now, before we go any further, if you've been enjoying the work we've been doing here, uh, please let everybody know where they can you know, find us, join the community, and listen in for themselves as well. Uh, now, before we go any further on this topic, let me make sure and let everybody know this is not meant to be legal advice. And depending on what country you're in um, or countries you're doing business with, fan fiction can be treated somewhat differently from country to country according to their intellectual property law. So why are we delving into fanfic? Um, in the last couple of weeks, I've been involved in a bunch of different conversations around it. This is not uncommon. Um, you know, fanfic is something that comes up a lot in writer circles. Uh, and I have a client that we were talking the other night about the potential of using um, some fan-driven fic in terms of an anthology and some other work. So here we are. I thought it'd be a good thing to come in and talk about. Let me say, first of all, in general, I'm very supportive of the idea of fan fiction, at least as a concept. And I know a lot of writers that got their start in fan fiction. Uh, they started creating, you know, creating things, telling stories that they hadn't seen, maybe to reflect themselves, um, maybe to reflect uh, stories, things going on in their lives. You know, how would Batman come in and, and help save the day for you? How would potentially, um, you know, some TV show come in and how would you interact with those characters? Uh, you know, a lot of professional writers I know got their start this way and even have built fan bases. So when they started creating rich original fiction, they had a fan base to work from. So there's a lot of really big benefits here. Um, that being said, this is not a cut and dry topic. And it's one that can get you in trouble, both as the writer and creator of fan fiction. And if you're allowing people to write in your universe and create fan fiction around your work. So here what we're going to try to do is keep everybody out of trouble, um, give kind of some best practices, and while we're also creating how you can do, work with this in a creative environment. So let's start by defining fan fiction and talk a little bit about why there's all these controversies around it. Well, you know, let's start with the definition. You know, here today, everybody's got access to the internet. Um, everybody's got a lot of technology available to them, so you can create you know, written word, get it published really easily. You can create, you know, moving, you know, you can create many movies, you can create visual images, you can create music, you can build games and other software. There's a ton of stuff you can do with all of this out there inspired by some of your favorite works, right? So fan fiction is creating a new work based on someone else's creation using the characters, the locales, the ideas they've created. Uh, they may even be based on nonfiction. So maybe, for example, you're going to use the idea of somebody who is living or dead. Um, maybe his some historical facts as a part of your work. And all of that can either be considered historical fiction or may wind up being treated as fanfic. So then here comes the big question. Is it legal? Now, fan fiction falls under what is called derivative work under U.S. copyright law. And one thing I will say is pretty much every work created is in some way derivative of the work that's come before it. 
So this is one of those things that becomes a challenge all the time. And one of those things that can make things rather muddy. But a derivative work is defined as an expressive creation that includes a major copyright protected elements of an original previously created work. The derivative work becomes a second separate work independent in form from the first. A lot of nice legalese. Now you're going to find a lot of people making a lot of arguments, but at the core of it, fan fiction is a violation of someone else's copyright and maybe even their trademarked work. And the question here is, is this a permissible violation of their work? Now, this is something we're gonna explore as we get towards the end of this, but before we talk about the legal tests, let's talk about things on both sides. You know, as a fanfic writer, why do we do it? What are the things that we wanna do? Well, first of all, and most often, um, you wanna explore the minute de details of the world, the characters, the people you think you know. You wanna understand them better. You wanna maybe even take a look at through a different character's point of view. You wanna understand how things went down and why. Um, maybe you wanna explore the backstory of somebody's throwaway line. You wanna explore the stories that were left untold. You know, when the series got canceled, uh, maybe you wanna continue to live that out. This is one of those things when we saw some of the earliest stuff considered fan fiction came about because of the cancellation of Star Trek. Uh, maybe what you wanna do is kind of take your shot at what's coming in future stories. And then last but not least, and we see a ton of this, is playing what if, you know, create alternate universes. What happens if your favorite characters had made a different choice, taken the road, not traveled? Uh, what if they paired up with a different romantic partner? And all of this sounds a lot of fun, right? And it, it can be. You know, why would a creator not want you to go and explore their work and their universes, dive into it deeper? You know, build their love for the fandom by coming and playing with your work. You know, we all look at fanfic a lot of the time as being a great way for promotion. You know, it's somebody is taking the time to build out and continue to play with your world. And they're, you know, therefore they're kind of creating that promotional atmosphere, right? Because if, if someone else loves this work this much, they'll tell people about it. People see the fanfic and want to go look at the original work. So why is all of this potentially problematic? Well, this boils down to the fact that a fanfic writer can do a lot of damage both to you and to themselves, even if that's not what they intended, and very rarely is it what they meant to happen. So imagine a scenario where you're creating a story, you're trying to imagine what's happening in an author's future storyline, and you start to get a lot of it right. Well, we've seen times where fanfiction uh, and fan fiction writers have made a lot of noise because um, they accuse writers of stealing their ideas. Well, now as an author and a creator, a lot of the time we're broadcasting in a series where we think things are going to go. Um, you know, sometimes that is, you know, we're telling you the story straight. Sometimes it's meant to be the red herring for, I want you to think we're going left when we're really going to go right. We want to go up when we're really going down. Well, as fanfic authors often will say is, oh, well, that person stole my idea. Um, well, in truth, this may have been the plan all along. And in these cases, this can create a lot of backlash. Um, you know, you can see even lawsuits coming out of this. Now, we've seen cases where fanfiction authors accused authors of stealing their ideas. And pretty much generally in court cases, when the ones that have gone through, the fanfic author is going to lose that case, but it's going to cause a lot of bad feelings. It's going to cause a lot of hurt and it's going to cost a lot of money.
the second big thing we see is that fanfic can kind of create confusion around canon, um, especially if an idea builds enough following. Uh, you know, think about memes. We've seen a lot of things come out with memes that all of a sudden become part of not canon necessarily, but kind of a, a, a part of the larger zeitgeist and the creative and the fan community. So even if only a couple of readers see somebody's fan fiction, somebody might come up with an idea that really propagates out into fandom and can either indirectly influence how fans are seeing and interpreting the work, or maybe even very directly how fans see it. And this happens all the time, um, especially in a lot of the larger properties, because you know people will go out there, create memes, they'll play with ideas, they'll tell many stories, and all of a sudden you discover you're influencing how fandom looks at someone. Um, a good case of this has been a lot of talking about things like, um, was Jar Jar Banks a Sith? Well, there's nothing in Canada that says it, but it's a fun idea to play with, and it's also something that's taken on a fair amount of background in the canon. You know, so when you're looking at and playing with fan fiction, if your ideas start getting circulated among fandom, this can be a lot of fun. It's part of the great fan discussions, but it can also have a direct impact on where that creator is carrying the story because sometimes a creator can say, well, I was on that path. I can't do that anymore. If they become aware of this idea floating through the zeitgeist, because now they want to avoid any misunderstandings or anything along those lines. Uh, sometimes they will go ahead and double down on an idea or have change up how they're doing it. But when these ideas become really critical out there, this idea of forecasting and, and having that idea of where's a storyline going to go can have a direct impact on how the on how the creator looks at and continues to work on the project. And in some cases, it can even cause that creator to stop working on the project entirely. And the next thing you know is they've dropped your entire favorite series or your favorite characters because somehow or another it's gotten polluted. Now, creators often cite the idea that they alone are the ones that know what's in the head of their characters because they created them. As a writer, we sit there and we have conversations with our characters all the time. You know, and as a creator... I want to be the only person who has the responsibility for what my characters say and do, you know, what they experience, what ideas they explore, how they change and develop over time. And this is a part of trying to respect the creative process. So as a part of all of this, we have to balance what people are doing with fan fiction versus what I'm doing with the property and the characters I created as a creator. And one of the things where this becomes, again, potentially problematic is publishing contracts sometimes will restrict the ability for creation of fanfic because they're looking to sell those rights. Uh, you know, one of the things that I think we all know and have seen is generally when stuff goes to goes to visual media. So let's say that a book series becomes a TV series or a movie. Some of them may stick pretty truly to the original source material. Some of them will just take it as an influence. Well, if there's a big enough fan following and the fanfic is out there, that fanfic is well known in, in cases to have influenced what made it to screen. For example, X-Files did this a lot, where it took information and stuff happening in the fan community, and it wound up making it onto the screen. So this is one of those things you've got to be very aware of when you're creating these things. Yeah, it can be fun to have an influence, 
but that influence is not always positive. Uh, and this is one of those reasons, we'll talk a lot about this a little bit more, but this is one of those reasons that creators don't want to see your fanfic. They don't want to see what you've had to say or do about it because they don't want those ideas getting in their head and they don't want to create an environment where down the road there can be some kind of misunderstanding. We'll talk about one of those in a minute. Now, as I was mentioning, one of the other cases that can come up is where you're using real people or real situations in fictional material. Writing fanfic about a living person or maybe a dead person can create a lot of problems, uh, especially for celebrities and public figures. You have to understand how to treat, especially living in real people, and how these sorts of things can cause a problem. Um, so for both the creator and owner of intellectual property, this creates a lot of landmines and a really questionable upside as to whether or not we allow fan fiction to be created. And so for all of this, uh, and a lot of other things that we're not going to touch on today, a lot of creators will restrict or even prohibit fans from creating derivative works. They don't want fan fiction written about their works, or at least while those series are in process and development. Now, a lot of the time, there may be backlash coming out about this. Um, you know, Anne Rice, there's a pretty you know famous legal case out there where someone that wrote was writing fan fiction for Anne Rice, ran a lot of her fan club, things like this. Well, when things started becoming problematic, Anne Rice locked down all of her IP and said, I don't want any more fanfic. This is causing too many problems. I want to be the one that's telling my story. You know, George R.R. R. Martin, Mercedes Lackey, a lot of other authors have expressly come out and denied the creation of fan fiction. Now, sometimes after they've created that series or the series is done and they said, I'm done with this universe, they'll back off of that some. But what they want to make sure is that during that period of creation, it's not going to impact what they're doing in developing. Um, one of the more famous cases that came about that is that created both a lot of legal precedent and one of the things that drives a lot of the advice coming from people consulting around the industry came, um, Marion Zimmer Bradley had, a, had uh, her Darkover series and um, had received some fan fiction. This was in the early 80s. And so one of those pieces of work, she made an offer to one of the people because she was like, hey, I like your idea better than yours. I'll give you credit for it. I'll give you a stipend for it. And by the time all was said and done, because the person who had come up with the other idea um, in the fan fiction wanted more money, wanted more compensation. By the time it was all said and done, it was a huge public mess. Um, it wound up co costing Marion a book deal. It wound up pretty much messing up the series and causing a lot of problems. And so because of this case and a lot of others like that, generally legal counsel, agents, everybody's going to say, no, I don't want to see your fanfic. Appreciate you creating it, or maybe not, but I don't want to see it because I don't want to get into a legal mess about this. Yeah, you know, we've seen other creators like J. Michael Straczynski, Neil Gaiman, Terry Pratchett, J.K. Rowling. They'll permit fan fiction, but they also very specifically publish their restrictions and guidelines on how it can be done and used. Uh, we see the same thing from a lot of larger right holders, you know, Paramount and Star Trek. Uh, has a lot of control about what kind of fanfic can be created and how. I mean, we've seen a number of spinoff TV series that are created out of those where Paramount said, yeah, we'll, we'll allow you to do this, 
but understand there's a lot of controls and parameters we're going to put around this. So from 2013 to 2018, there was a really interesting experiment. And Amazon went and licensed properties in a number of universes, including things like G.I. Joe. And they said, hey, we want to allow people to create fan fiction and get paid for it. And so what it was almost was, was a licensed property deal where these were universes that said, yes, we have licensed people and we will allow you to go create stories in it. Doesn't mean it's going to become part of canon, but it did allow for the sale of fan fiction because it was kind of a crossover between fanfic and licensed property work. So it was a really interesting experiment. It kind of ultimately failed. Amazon wound up shutting it down. But this does lead to a lot of other things where people do start to allow licensing and working in some of their universes so that you can go and create things, potentially as long as you're not messing with main storylines or main characters, you can still play in their universe. So this is kind of a quick overview, and these are some of the more common cases you're going to find. So if you start doing research into this, these are a lot of the cases you're going to find documentation on. However, this is also because these are some of the more public and some of the things that have the larger impact on it. And these are creators who are very vocal about their stance. And there's, like I say, a lot of these cases, there's been legal action around it. But you're going to find that there's a lot of other things that happen both just kind of inside of writer circles, sitting around and talking about, you know, I had this problem because somebody came and did X, Y, and Z. So there's a lot of potential issues here. Uh, and this is all more about awareness and making conscious decisions if you're going to write and create fan fiction. And if you are going to write and create fan fiction, how are you going to work with it? So what potentially triggers legal action? What can get you really into trouble? Now, generally, either the creator or the involved party, like the video studio, somebody that owns rights, the publisher, they don't want you to potentially interfere with where they're planning on their series going. They don't want the PR mess. Um, or maybe somebody has published their work and they went too far and crossed the line. So in these cases, this can all trigger a, a lot of legal action. And the next question then becomes, so what's the legal test? And again, I'm going to remind you, this is not meant to be legal advice. This is meant to help drive you towards go do your own research and get guidance if you've got questions. We'll talk about some resources you can look at as we get a little bit further along. But generally for copyright violations, trademark violations are a little bit different and a bit more complicated. We'll probably talk about that in a future episode. Um, but there's four questions that have to be answered to determine if the use of the material is permissible. Um, and this is creating it underneath underneath what is known as the Fair Use Act. A lot of people quote fair use, fair use, fair use without understanding what it means and all the tests that you have to pass for something to be fair use. So fair use also can only be determined in a court of law. This is the, the other kind of hard part of it is something may be open, but nobody can say it really was fair use unless it's determined by a court, which means there is a legal action. So the first standard that has to be met, and again, this is a court interpretation, is that the purpose and the character of the use, including whether such uses of a commercial nature or for nonprofit or educational purposes. So a lot of the time people interpret this to say, well, if I'm not making money on it, then it's fair use. This is just one part of the test, but this is also not entirely true. 
just because you're not making money on something doesn't mean you're not necessarily benefiting from it. And also one of the other things that we've seen cases come up around is you as the creator of that work may not be benefiting from it, but where you publish it may be. They may be making money off it through ads, ad clicks, stuff like that. So simply not making money from it is not enough to say that it's a fair use. Same thing for educational purposes. Generally, educational purposes are going to give you a lot more leeway, but it's not necessarily enough to say that it's fair use. Now, the second test here is what's the nature of the copyrighted work? Uh, and so what a lot of boils down here is, is it fiction or nonfiction? Um, so if you were creating nonfiction or work around nonfiction, so let's say that you were creating a fictional story, but it involves living people, you can get the libel and slander, even though it's fictional. Is it from a news source or is it educational material? Uh, is the work creating a parody, a parody or commentary on the original work? And the the idea of parody is um, one of the critical tests that you actually find around um, fair use. Is that I'm creating a new work, but I'm exploring the original work in a different way. I'm creating a parody of it to point out the fallacies of the story or something along those lines. And so this is one of the bigger and more important tests. Third test is, is the amount and sustainability of the portion used in relation to the copyrighted work as a whole? Well, that's a really complicated way of saying how much of the new work, the fan fiction, how much of that is actually based on the original work? Did you republish large swaths of it? Did you, you know, pull quotes or songs or pieces from the original work and use it in yours? Or did you just use a sentence? Did you use a chapter? Did you pull in representation of those characters? The settings, the ideas, things like that. How much of the original work did you use in creating the new fan fiction versus how much of the fan fiction is a new and original protected work? The fourth test is the effect of the use of the potential market or the value of the copyrighted work. So this kind of, again, goes back to that idea of money. And this can be really difficult to determine, but what about the fanfic created work has a potential to impact the value of the original created work that is owned? So does your fan fiction potentially impact the value of what the other creator has made? Uh, a lot of cases have come out around this. For example, like, again, I'm going to go back to Star Trek. People created a fan film, and when that started becoming a commercial property, because they were looking at developing new Star Trek films and properties, they came out and said, no, this has a material impact on us. You've not really licensed it, and you're looking to make money from this. This is now a commercial work. This impacts what we're doing. We also have seen uh, where, again, some of these ideas of memes or fanfic starts leaking its way into canon, not necessarily because it's meant to be introduced as canon, but maybe somebody's ideas around what's in canon kind of seeps into that greater work and affects the ongoing ideas, the ongoing value of the IP. Now, unfortunately, as you can see, a lot of these are ideas and concepts, not hard and fast rules about what is or is not fair use. And this is where the big challenge always comes out of fair use. What is it? 
when we talk to attorneys, they will look and say fair use is always dangerous territory and something that can't be determined unless you're sitting in front of a judge and potentially a jury. Now, as I mentioned at the start of this, I am in general a, a fan of the idea of fan fiction. But as a creator, I also support the rights of creators to do or restrict what people, what their fans can do with their work. Because again, if I've made it, if I own it, if it's my creation, I also have full rights to say what you can and can't do with it. So as a creator, one of the things that I recommend for my fellow creators out there, I strongly recommend that you put something on your website for your fans that says what you will and won't allow to do with your work, what your position is on fan fiction. And if you're going to permit fanfic, I recommend that what you create is what's called a Creative Commons license that specifies what people can do with their work based on your property and how it should be credited. Um, and we're going to probably talk about Creative Commons uh, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, if you've got questions about that, you can always hit me up, do your research. But again, a Creative Commons license can actually help solve a lot of these legal problems up front if you're going to allow people to work in your world. Now, for my fanfic creators that are out there, let's talk about some best practices to help keep you out of trouble. And so the first thing is this. Look and see if the owner of the IP has done exactly what I just mentioned. Do they have something on their website that says, hey, here's how you can use my material and here's how you stay out of trouble. Or maybe they say, look, just don't play in my universe while I'm still working it. Um, if you don't see anything there um, or you're not sure, ask. The easiest way to stay out of trouble is to have the owner's permission. Um, you know, and don't expect that they're going to want to see that work if they do give you permission or endorse it. Because again, this is what's historically caused a lot of the problems and troubles with fan fiction is that the creator, the author saw someone else's work and all of a sudden, maybe it influenced it in some way, or it touched on the storyline they were already working on. But if you don't know, ask, this is the easiest way to stay out of trouble. If you're going to play in somebody else's sandbox, they may not want your toys in it. Now, the third thing is, and I do absolutely encourage this on every fanfic work, disclose at the beginning of it that this is fan fiction and it's derivative of somebody else's property. And that may seem a little bit obvious that, oh, well, I'm writing on X, Y, or Z. This is fanfic. Be very explicit about disclosing what it's based on, who the creator is, and where they can find that original work. This is one of the ways that as a fan, you can be providing better service to the original creator and helping to build the fandom overall. Build something that, you know, the work that inspired you, make sure people know how to find it. Now, this is another one of those things that, again, becomes potentially troublesome. But if you're creating a work that is specifically being done as a parody or you're writing it as satire, and those two things are very different, and the legal standards are very different, but you may be able to commercially benefit from it. Uh, but make sure that you understand what the current legal interpretations are of parody and satire. Um, otherwise, you may be in a courtroom trying to determine what that is and making a lot of payments in legal fees. Uh, we see a lot of very popular commercials, you know, commercial enterprises, South Park, Simpsons, a lot of these major TV shows that do things that are parody and satire, um, get into legal trouble and wind up in the courtroom. 
I doubt you've got that kind of money and resource to go sit there and defend yourself. So if you are going to go with parody and satire, there's a lot of room for it, but understand what those standards are. Now, another thing that comes up is the idea of public domain. And one of the biggest cases that you're going to probably find a lot of information about was how much case law was created around the estate of Sherlock Holmes. Because part of the estate is in public domain, part of it is not. This is the reason that we often see TV shows, movies, things like this cut off as, at a certain point in the entire canon of Sherlock Holmes because those things aren't in the public domain and the Holmes estate has been very tight about controlling who does what with different stories that they still own. So just because something may be in part in the public domain doesn't mean the entirety of it is there. Another big case for this is looking at things like the uh, um, Universal Monsters. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein isn't purely into the public domain, but she was never descriptive about what the monster looked like. Uh, Universal is the one that created the flat top with the, the bolts sticking out sides and everything else that has become so much of a part of our public zeitgeist, but Universal still owns that idea. And so that's something, that, again, that's trademarked. If you're going to touch on somebody's uh, public domain work, make sure to understand who else may have had influence and you're touching on somebody's intellectual property. Now, another thing is this, and sometimes, again, this may not be what was intended, but can be one of those things that gets you in trouble. Make sure that in no way, shape, or form does the work you're creating potentially deprive the owner and creator of making income. In other words, make sure that your work is not meant to, uh, you know, potentially infringe on it in such a way that it potentially sub becomes a substitute or replaces the original work that the creator created. Make sure that you're not doing something in a way that potentially damages them because your fanfic, maybe your fanfic becomes huge. Well, if that happens and your canon does something entirely different, you may destroy that other person's fan base, in which case they can sue you. And again, typically, unless it's parody or satire, you cannot profit from your fanfic. Um, you do have to do uh, so create something new and original as a part of your fanfic creation. Um, even though it's based in somebody else's universe, there's always a lot of ways to go and build and tell new stories. But don't you know? Don't just necessarily walk in and retell someone else's story. That will get you in trouble a lot of the time. And last but not least. One of the best things you can do to stay out of trouble is understand the difference between what is copyrighted and what's trademarked. Now, you may be able to it may be able to and allowed to do some things with a copyrighted work, but you can't necessarily touch the parts of it that are trademarked. Those are two different protections, two different sets of tests. And again, kind of going back to the idea of Frankenstein's monster, there you're touching on both what's copyrighted as well as what is trademarked in their imagery and how they're representing it. Now, beyond all of this, I do encourage you take out your favorite works and go try to build something new. Use it as an inspiration. Use it as a source if you're so motivated. You know, in truth, again, everything that's out there is in some way, shape or form a derivative work of what's come before. Maybe it's just told in a new or a different way. It's creating new characters, new settings to explore the same old topics. 
know, fan fiction can be a great way to practice your writing and build a community, build a fan base. Just make sure you're doing it the right way. You know, most famously uh, in recent years, 51 Shades of Grey is a well-known to start it out as a Twilight fan fiction. Um, it just had the serial number scrubbed off, put in some new characters, some new settings, and of course, ratcheted up some of the more adult content. You know, a lot of writers I know got their start in fan fiction. And in some cases, they've written fan fiction that helped to get them to writing for licensed properties. Uh, so again, there's been uh, anthologies that came out around, I'll go back to Star Trek. They've actually done anthologies and published you know, new and early in their career authors and allowed them to be a part of the Star Trek canon by allowing them to get into some of these anthologies. So there's a lot of potential opportunity here out of fanfic if it's done right. So looking at how to do things right, and if you want to learn more about fan fiction, um, I'm, you know, go check out fanfiction.net. They give a publishing platform. They include a lot of really good guidelines on writing fan fiction. And they include the lists of authors and creators with restricted properties. So that's one easy way to stay out of trouble is you can go look at the list and know who will allow you to play in their sandbox. Uh, Wattpad.com also has a large fan, uh, fan fiction fan base and a lot of resources as well. Uh, one organization and that I would check out is what's called the Organization for Transformative Works, which can be found at transformativeworks.com. And it's the parent of AO3 or what's known as an archive of our own. They also offer a lot of resources and a lot of places to publish fan fiction. They've gotten a lot of acclaim over the last number of years um, and have even started seeing some awards. Now, here's one other thing I'm going to comment on. Um, uh, the OTW is also very public about um, supporting fan fiction, and often this is to the point to the detriment of creators. Um, you know, they often have pushed for elimination a lot of the copyright protections. So they're very pro fanfic and dismissive of original creators and their rights at times. So again, this is one of those things to be aware of is when you're getting the information from the source, also be aware of their biases. When you go do your research, a lot of the material you find out there is going to have been written by the OTW. There's a lot of value in it, but understand the position they're coming from. So at the end of all of this, understand this. You are responsible and know you're not entitled to play in somebody else's universe just because you're a big fan of it. If you decide to add your own take to someone else's world, this is a privilege. You know, remember how much work goes into creating these original universes, these original characters. If you're truly a fan of it, you're doing these things because you're wanting to explore it further and respect what these creators have done. Um, you know, so if you want your creators to keep bringing you, you know, more of the stories you love, more of the characters you love and create new universes for you, respecting what they're doing is a big part of this. And hopefully one of these days you too can become one of those creators that are bringing new things into the world. And for those of you that are trying to make a living out there as a creator in this world, remember, it is the fans that make this happen for you. So for those people that want to create fanfic, tell them how you want them to play in your world. So thanks for joining me this week, and we'll see you guys again soon. And as always, if you've got a question or a comment, you know, please feel free to leave it on your favorite platform. Uh, catch up with Catch up with us at creatingpros.com or you can always catch me at jamespnettles.com. Everybody have a great week.